I'm wrestling. You're not weak for me. Celebrate what I am. Celebrate what I have been. Celebrate what I represent. And celebrate the many ways I have impacted your life. I will survive this test as I have survived others. I am forever etched into the very fiber of all mankind. The world needs me. Time is on my side. History guarantees me. I am wrestling. Do not wait for me. What's up, everybody? This is Ben Askren and Mr. Tommy Rowlands, and you are listening to episode number 32 of the T-Row and Funky Show, brought to you, as always, by Defense Soap. Defend what you have built, and Tommy, you're still on vacation, but I think we're going to have a better signal than last week. you got to figure it out a little bit. Are we ready to roll? I'm ready to roll, my brother. Yeah, I was last time we did the podcast was my first day of vacation. Now I'm on my last one, and... um we're ready to rock, man. We're excited. And sorry I'm not in on my secures, but instead of uh, taking a gamble at the Wi-Fi working, I'm on the phone, and we know we'll be sailing from here on out. So I'm pumped up. I'm excited about the episode. I know you and I reviewed what we're going to discuss, but I think given our backgrounds, we've got some cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, so you mentioned last week that, that we were going to talk about recruiting this week. Um we were kind of saying, where, you know, where should we go with this? Because there's a lot of different avenues you could take this recruiting discussion of, you know. And so Correct. I, I put the topic up on Twitter. What do you guys want to hear about? And, um, you know, the one that I was most excited about, Tommy, was um, was the, the stories. Tell, you know, people said, tell us what the recruiting process is really like. And I thought, man, I got so many hilarious stories uh, that, that we can talk about that I can discuss. And... Uh, you know, we're going to talk some about that, but we do have a few other topics. So are you ready to get right into this recruiting stuff? I'm ready to rock, and I think we should start off by saying that the recruiting landscape is completely different. The timeline for getting commitments and all of that is uniquely different. It's ever-changing. I think with uh, media outlets like Flow Wrestling and things like that, people become more educated. Recruiters become more educated and in tune with what, who's good and what and when and where and why. So you get to recruit these kids, uh, and, and get commitments out of them earlier. But back when you and I were coming out of high school, Ben, yep. your junior year, your junior summer going into your senior year, July 1st was the day. That was the day where you really learned how big of a recruit you really were. Yep. You learned that all of that mail, that snail mail you were getting was just generic questionnaires or yep. if they really were thinking about you and i remember that moment july 1st as clear as day i was working actually working on the production line at the produce company i work for now and i was and cell phones weren't even in style then and um i was coming home from working the production line all day at the produce company uh my father's the president of and my mom was calling my dad's car phone telling him Oklahoma just called, Ohio State just called, Michigan Dang. just called, Penn State. And it was just, it was a very surreal, surreal moment because you realized at that time, hey, I don't know what the scholarship offers are going to be, but it looks like, you know, the Big Ten Conference or the Big 12 Conference or this school or that school or that coach or this coach, they really are interested in me because they took it upon themselves to call me on the very first day they could call me. So 
Anyway, it's just a little bit of nostalgia yeah. there. I'm sure you. I'm sure you've got some of well, your yeah, own. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if we're gonna go there on the July first, I do remember distinctly. My phone rang one time that day, and it was West Point, and uh, you know that's a that's a great institution, but the military life wasn't for me. So uh, my <laughs> my July first was distinctly different than yours. That it was it was very disappointing, and I did have a big July, and um, you know we'll hit on that later in the show. One thing you did you did refresh my memory, and you t- texted me this morning about this is. And I wanted to make a point, because our whole show is going to be about recruiting, but um, guys, take a minute to go read Martin Floriani's letter to the editor about Jay Robinson. Um, I, I kind of feel, I, I may feel the exact same way. I don't think I could have written the letter any better if I tried than Martin did. Uh, I think the media is crucifying Jay. Um, and, you know, I think if my son or daughter was in that situation, my daughter, well, I have two daughters, so I don't have sons if I do someday. If they were in that situation, I would like, a, a, you know, a caring father figure like Jay to be the one that... Um, takes care of him before he just throws, you know, throws, uh, throws a towel into the police and says, take him. And I, you know, uh, you know, most parents are saying the same damn thing I'm saying. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, sometimes it's not really good for our podcast when we're both in total agreement with each other, but we are right now. And I mean, Jay Robinson has been in the sport long enough to where I'm not saying he should get a pass. I don't even know what the truth is or isn't. But what he should get a pass on, and what anybody should get a pass on, is is a is a public judgment against yes. them when the facts are not vetted. And to your point, the doing the right thing and what's best for people and the law sometimes are not don't ride completely one hundred percent parallel with each other. And when you look into this scenario that Jay Robinson was in, it's kind of similar to the scenario. Um, that Jim Tressel was in when he did not turn in uh, Terrell Pryor for um, selling his uh, valuables for free tattoos or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of ways to look at the situation. You, I'm not saying that a mistake wasn't made, yeah. but it, well, you cannot you cannot prejudge in these situations. Yeah, I mean, you know what what sucks about America these days? Um, I, love, I Listen, traveling abroad, I love America. I think it's a fantastic place. But there are a few things, obviously, and everyone's got something they dislike about their own country. But um, people are always just worried about covering their own ass from from a liability standpoint, right? And so the right. university, they don't want a lawsuit. They don't want someone suing them. So they want to follow this bullshit protocol that may not have the student-athlete's best interest in mind, right? Correct. It, it definitely Correct. doesn't. And, you know, NCAA, same thing. Well, the NCAA... I got. I could have some choice words for them, but um, we'll stay away from that topic. Let's get let's get into recruiting. How about that? Yeah, just one la- one last comment. Sure. I, I I do agree with you. I love Martin Floriani's outspoken op-ed. Um, it was a very distinct sign of leadership. It was refreshing to read that, and he's a me- he's a member of the media. He's a he's a leader of the media in the wrestling world, and I think his comments were very. Very true, and reminds us all of how we should look at the situation. So, anyways, now let's get into some recruiting. Yeah, let's do it. So, first question we have, you know, I really should have took down these, these Twitter handles for giving us these questions. Uh, would that have been a nice thing to do, but I, I didn't. How do you get recruited as a high school athlete? And I think this is a common question. And, uh, my, and you know what? I'm actually fairly outspoken about this in Wisconsin, and I get criticized strongly in the state of Wisconsin for my opinion on this, Tommy. 
And, and the fact of the matter is, Wisconsin's not a state that has a bunch of huge in-season tournaments. The only one that would be would be the Cheesehead. So Wisconsin kids aren't getting recruited in-season, period. Um, and they can't travel because of WIA restrictions. So for Wisconsin kids, it's all about the off-season freestyle tournaments. And Wisconsin people love Greco. And I'm say, I, say, I say, sorry, guys, but college coaches don't give a damn about Greco. I mean, when I was coaching Arizona State... I didn't look at Greco results because they don't tell you a lot about how good the kid is at folk style. And I get criticized roundly about that. So for, for Wisconsin kids, you know, UWW cadets, Fargo, Flow Nationals, NHSCA. You know, that's what it is for us. I mean, would you say the same thing or what? Yeah, and let's take a step back a little bit on the, on the, on the Greco because I agree with you that college coaches don't give a damn if Greco's all that you do, um, or it's all that you have a notable potential in. But if you're, you know, third at Fargo and you win this freestyle tournament and that freestyle tournament, you got second at Ironman and you wrestle Greco year round, they're certainly not going to frown upon it. They're going to say, you know, if anything, it's a good thing, but it can't be what you hang your hat on. It's yeah. maybe what you're trying to say. And that's, that's, I, that's I exactly what you might have said. You might have said it a little more politically correctly. Yeah, I mean, but see, the thing with Wisconsin kids, they, they go wrestle Greco, and they don't wrestle freestyle at the Nationals, and then they wonder why they don't get recruited. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's yep, Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you. So now, now, now we're on the same page. That's ridiculous. Totally. That's ridiculous. Yes, absolutely. It, it's just that it, it doesn't have enough similarity to folk style to say, well, he won Fargo he won Fargo and Greco, but he went 0-2 in freestyle. I know that that would probably never happen. But Possibly. if you have those two polar polar opposite results, it's it's not a complete and total indicator the way that a freestyle result would be in terms of trans, transitioning to uh, collegiate-style wrestling. So would you say, because I know like, Ohio is a different kind of state because of the amount of tough competitions, you got your Ironman, um, you got your other competitions, you got your St. Paris Grams. So you have these nationally known programs. You know, you can say the same with Pennsylvania, you can say the same with New Jersey and New York. And there's a lot of these programs out there. Uh, in those states, you can say the same thing. But, you know, a state like Wisconsin or uh, Minnesota, would you say distinctly that um, a, a Fargo or a UWW Cadets or Juniors or uh, a Flow Nationals, that's 100% the best way to re- get recruited, or what do you think? I I completely agree agree with you, Ben, and I'll go even go a step further. I am disappointed in Ohio. I'm, really? I'm an Ohio guy. They just won, they yeah, just won the, the junior duels for freestyle. I know that, but they're even in, in that, yeah, that, so, so most recently I guess I'm happy for them, but I see too many people taking different avenues to show that they're a recruitable wrestler. And to me, I still believe, um, even in today's wrestling landscape, that Fargo is the number one indicator for collegiate success. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to go to Fargo to be successful in college. But to me, if I had to, if I had to say, as a recruiter, say you're only allowed to use one event, you're only yeah. allowed to use one yeah. event to, to pick – um, who you're going to take on your team, on your roster in college. I'm picking Fargo 10 times out of 10. More than Ironman, more than the Ohio High School State Tournament, more than Beast of the East, more than, you know, the Clash, more than yeah. um, the you Five know the Counties out West. I, I think you're thinking about Fargo is, and Tommy, this is different than when we were in high school. 
When we were in high school, at the at the end of the season, there was one folk style national tournament. It was the NHSCA, and it was actually only for seniors at that point, right? But correct, now, correct. now what you got is you have three three of the big ones, and they're all on either rough, the same weekend or roughly the same weekend, maybe off by a week, right? So you got NHSCA, you got USA Wrestling, and you got Flow. And then obviously you're going to have a certain percentage of the population who's just not going to participate because of money or because of because of whatever, right? And right. So now when you take that percentage of the population who is going to compete and you divide it by three, that makes seeing who the best guy is significantly it's more just difficult. Correct. It's, and it, it's just it's just so fragmented. It's and when you're going so down fragmented. to like sixth, seventh, or eighth, you know, because the guy who takes sixth, seventh, or eighth at Fargo in a, in a juniors bracket, it's gonna be pretty, pretty freaking tough. But now if you got three tournaments. Uh, they're going six, seven, eight, and really in USA at the USA wrestling one, you got a cadet and junior division. At NHSA, right. you have a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, and a senior. At Flow, you got one division, which is great. But so we're talking about you got seven divisions. You got fifty-six All Americans over the course of one or two weekends per weight. Um, I mean, that's a lot to sift through to see who the best is. Fargo's in July. There's no other options at that point. That's that's, that's, all there is. that's the other. That's the other thing about Fargo that 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 I think really matters is that not only are you evaluating what happens on the mat, but let's be honest, a kid that is training in June and July for a tournament in Fargo, North Dakota, in a style that is not 100% translative to his folk style goals, which probably have conquered his thought kid. If he is choosing to be a part of that process, that to me says a lot about his passion for the sport. And I, and I, and I, 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 I'm going to preface it one time and not for the rest of the episode. It doesn't mean that if you don't go to Fargo, that you aren't passionate about wrestling and that you're not a hard worker. But to me, if you do go to Fargo, it does indicate a certain level of um, commitment and passion for the sport. And, 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 and it's, for, for college coaches, they don't know you. They aren't your yeah. high school coach. They don't live across town. So, so believe it or not, even though you know you're committed to wrestling, those college coaches don't know that. They're trying to learn about you. And when you go to Fargo and you compete at a high level in that tournament and you train it all summer and you go to the junior duels and you're a part of the UWW FILA cadet trials, the junior trials, and you're doing this and you're doing that, that's a big deal. And yeah. winning Ironman's a big deal too. But, but that stuff's a big deal. It says a lot about being a year-round wrestler and so for there's so many other reasons why i think fargo is still the number one indicator to me clearly for who you need to be looking for at the collegiate level sure okay so what, what are college so that, i think we hit that question pretty hard you know how do you get recruited um so the second question would be, what are college coaches looking for and, you know the funny thing about this tommy is i said and as a as a college athlete i saw this as a, and, a, and so by the time I got to a college coach, I knew this happened, but almost every high school coach and every parent is going to lie to you. They're going to say their kid is a hard worker. They're going to say he doesn't mess around. They're going to say he gets good grades. They're going to say all this good stuff about him because they want their kid going to college. That looks good for high school coaches. Obviously, that's what parents want. So it, it is tough to sift through the qualities you're looking for in a wrestler because sometimes it's hard to find the truth, right? Correct. I mean, you got you got you got a lot of people telling you a lot of different things, and and you know, you you learn you develop relationships as a recruiter. I recruited heavily at Ohio State for three or four years. You learn to develop relationships. You learn who 
you can trust in Cleveland. So if there's a yeah. Cleveland stud, I wouldn't call it. I'd call my Cleveland guy, so to speak, and be like, hey, tell me about this guy. What's his work ethic like? What's his social uh, What's his social life like? How is he when practice gets tough? What about, um, you know, at the end of a match when he's tired? What's his technical skill development like? Is he coachable? Is he this? Is he that? And I knew that that guy, whether he knew the kid well or not, he had a normal mind, and I could trust his opinion no matter how in touch he was with the kid or not. And so – you learn how to develop that network, and then you call a buddy you got on the east, yeah, for you know, sure. on the, on, in Pittsburgh area, Philadelphia area, Cincinnati guy. You got a California guy, yeah. and you just develop this own little network. And you, you're leaning on those people because, to your point, Ben, when you call the high school coach, I mean, most of them, especially if they don't have somebody get, getting recruited every year, it's like once in a lifetime. Yeah, hundred percent. They're not going to jeopardize his future. Hell they're no. looking out for that kid. I they're still not remember out for you. And we're gonna to tell stories later, but I remember being at the like the get together, the the barbecue at the beginning of my freshman year. So I go to Missouri for the first time, right? And I remember this one parent would not shut up about how his kid was the hardest worker. He never drank. He never did drugs. He never did, you know, just everything, right? right? This kid was a bum. I mean, he would get so hammered. Wouldn't go to class. Wouldn't do any extra work. Barely showed up to practice on. I mean, just a bum. And it's like that was to me. So I, right away, I'm like, damn, that dude was lying his ass off. Um, right. Can't trust the parents. I'll tell you one thing. I really like to do with 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 athletes, and I'm gonna bring this up when I talk about some of the guys that bust or booms later. Uh, I like finding matches where they lost, and now with flow wrestling, it makes it a lot easier to do. Right. Um, right. Because I want to say, did they lose their cool? Right. That's a big one. If they get frustrated, um, they're going to get frustrated in the college room, and it's going to become a very negative consequence to that. Um, did they give up? Did they quit fighting? Right. Did they yeah. start making stupid mistakes when things got hard? How did they react to that? You know, how did they keep? And one of the guys. So one of the guys I'm gonna bring up later was David Habit, and I saw him get whooped by. Um, Oh, it was another Cleveland kid that was uh, that was same era, same, really tough. I even think the kid was probably a pretty good college wrestler, but Habit got beat by him. Habit just kept scrapping. Was it, was it Tony? Was it Tony Jameson? No, 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 no. It wasn't I remember Jameson, but it was not Jameson. Um, maybe it might have been. Uh, so what's the Salzer that just graduated? Uh, Nick Salzer. It might have been Nick Salzer. Am I am I wrong? I might be. I'm not. Don't quote me on that one. It might have been Nick Salzer, but. Don't quote me. Um, but I just remember thinking, damn, this kid's tough. Like, you know, he keeps keeps fighting the whole time, no matter what. Doesn't get flustered. Doesn't panic. He's going to be a good one. And, you know, sure enough, he, he was a good one. And I remember thinking that about him. Um, and then on the opposite side of that, a kid, and I'm going to kind of throw a kid under the bus. Uh, he's a grown man now. Is, is Jerome Robinson. Recruiting him at the same time. And he was a very high-level recruit out of Ohio. Ignatius. Okay, I can't tell you where. And... Uh, he looked great. I mean, he was outstanding as wins, but there was one loss, and again, I can't remember the match. But he just kind of packed it in way too early. You know, there was there was some time right. left on the clock, and he you could just see he said, um, "I'm done here." You know, and so to me, that's like right. a big no no. Like, oh crap, you know, like because is he going to keep giving up in the room every day when someone's beating him up? Because that's going to happen, right? Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's. It, it, there's so many factors that you have to look at in the recruiting process. I, it, 
you know, and it doesn't take much to, to, to recruit a Logan Steber or a Spencer Lee. We're not talking about those guys, those, or even Mark Hall. I mean, yeah. you don't really, you know, and we're talking about the guys that are good recruits. They're blue chip, but they're not those once in a generation or once every two or three years type of guy. I mean, you know, you look at guys like, um, I would say Kyle Snyder and Bo Jordan were like, all Americans when they stepped on the mat at Ohio State, but yeah. I would argue, I would argue that Nathan Tomasello is that way. Even though he won Fargo and won four state titles in Ohio, his style and when I watched him wrestle, he wasn't a no a, a no. Well, he was a no brainer to sign because you know how committed he was. Yeah. But like, it it wasn't like he was. Oh, this guy's. I was when he came on the team. I wasn't even sure if he was going to place as a redshirt freshman, and he went on no, to win it. I mean, so. People don't realize that gap, Tommy, between even between Fargo champ. I'll give you one we had. We had a kid named Tim Kephart. He was a Fargo finalist his junior year, a Fargo champ his senior year. I mean, it literally as good as it got for a high school guy, right? But right. he never was able to cut it at the college level. It's a, it's, and like you said, there's a, there are your Kyle Snyder's, there are your Logan Stevers. There's some of those guys, right? But those guys are so right. few and far between. It's so rare. Even a Fargo champ, a guy, and it wasn't like a rare, he was a finalist and he was a champ. He was in the finals two years in a row. Um, very high level guy, came to college, couldn't really cut it. I mean, you know, he made the lineup a little bit. He was in and out, but I don't know that he was ever in the top 20 in the country. I mean, it's just a gigantic jump and people don't realize that. It's, it's humongo and it's no different from college international too. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's big stuff. And, you know, one of the things that, that, that I became more in touch with as I learned how to recruit that I didn't understand in the beginning is you kind of, you kind of got to learn, learn to find kids and you, you get, you, you get this way from interacting with them. Kids that really know themselves. I mean, yeah. these are 17, these are 17 year old kids, sometimes younger. And you know, if, if you can sense a kid knows what he wants, he knows who he is. He knows where he's good. He knows where he's not so good. He has a good belief system, but he also, has his head on a swivel in the sense that it's like, listen, I think I'm good and I have my goals, but I know I'm not there yet. Those are the types of guys mentally that usually train, you know, once or twice a day, six days a week, year yeah. round. And, and if, you know, if you follow a simple plan, it's, it's hard, but it's not hard to be successful if You're you right. have a little bit of talent. Yeah, you, you know, know what I mean? running right off of that point, I just, I, I just made this prediction about a high school kid. I won't, on air, I won't tell you who it is. If you want to text me, I'll tell you who it is. Very good high school kid. And I, I observed his behavior at a recent tournament I was at, and I said, I don't think he's going to be a good wrestler. I think he's going to kind of fizzle out. And one of the qualities I saw in him is that he wanted to fit in and he wanted to be noticed. And to me, that's a dangerous one when you when you go to college, right? Because they're going to be Absolutely. the kid at the party where you're like, I bet you can't drink that whole 12-pack. And they drink it because they want to fit in, and then they, they freaking act like an idiot, you know? Um, yeah. So you know that's I think that's a really important well, quality yeah, to realize if you, is that if, you, if 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 they're starving to fit in, then whichever um, you know subset of the program takes that kid in first, that's how he's going to act. Whereas you want a kid that arrives and he's like, I have a plan. My I'm here plan to win. To become a national. My, my plan is to become a national champion. I hope and I expect that there's te- people on my team that think the same way. If there isn't, oh well. I'm still going to follow that plan, but hopefully I can identify with people that have the same plan as me. That's the guy you want. Yeah. So would you, you say that's, uh, would you say it's like a level of emotional maturity? Is that how you would uh, put yeah, it in context? Yeah, I, I think there's. 
I do. I think I think that it, I think that there's a lot to be said for knowing yourself and knowing who you are and having confidence in in what you're good at and then humility in what you're not good at and just having an honest appraisal of who you are and where you're at and where you want to go. And as a kid, you know, that's, that's even harder than an adult to some extent, but that's really, really hard as a kid. Everything's flying at you so fast. Yeah. So yeah. I always look for kids. I always look for kids that really knew themselves. And I've had some recruiting freaking blunders. So by no <laughs> means am I, it can't am be I perfect. saying that I, yeah, but, but, you know, I'm 35 now. I would say that I'd be a lot better off now because sure. I feel, you know, you, you understand things. But, but you know, it's just I think knowing yourself, there's a lot of things, talent, skill sets, you know, what skill sets should they have that are the most important? What's the parental involvement like? Is it good or bad for the kid? What's he going to be like when he's removed from it? I mean, I could rattle off 500 questions that you ask yourself as a recruiter. But to me, the, the tip of the iceberg and, and the one that I'm looking for the most is, does the kid know himself? Does he is he in touch with reality? You know how oh, yeah. when he sees the when he sees the world when he looks at the world, regardless of wrestling or not, when he looks at the world, is it is it an accurate depiction of what the world's really like, or is he seeing it differently? And I think that I think that really matters. I think that's the most important thing. That is huge. Let's let's hit on you. You mentioned something very interesting there, Tommy, and I, I want to hit on it because it is important. Because I think. <laughs> when we get down to it, a lot of people listening to this show will be parents and will be coaches as opposed to athletes. You know, I just don't think a lot of 15, 16, 17 year olds listen to podcasts, although maybe they should. So when we're talking about parental involvement. Uh, and if you want me to go first, I'll, I'll go first. But if, if you want to start nailing this on the You head, go first. You go, okay. We should trade going first, and I'll tell you why. For the rest of the episode, because I think we've got so much to say. This would be a three-hour episode, so we just got to let each well, other. Well, Tommy, if, you know, if, go if we keep rambling and this goes two hours, we'll make it the next two episodes. That's no big deal. Right, right. Because um, we, yeah, we're rolling. I mean, we're doing. I think we, we got some good stuff here. I think people are gonna like this. So, parental involvement. What do you want? It, what do you want it to be? This is what I see, and I always tell. I tell my parents at AWA this over and over and over and over again. And most of our parents are buying into it. They're doing a great job. We have a few that fight us really hard on it. It's really annoying. Um, but in my opinion, if, if you're going to be a good college wrestler, right? If you're going to be a good college wrestler, you're going to do it for yourself. You're not going to do it for your parent. You're not going to do it for your program. You're not going to do it for anybody else. You're doing it for yourself. You're there for you because it takes so much time, takes so much effort, takes so much discipline to be on that level. You're not doing it for anybody else. And you can do that at the youth level and you can do that at the high school level. But I mean, you know, you could name the kids that that were under a very tight parental control and they go to college and they freaking act like they got let out of a cage and they're an animal. Right? You can name those kids. I agree. So I want I agree. What I want, I want a parent who's supportive, a parent who cares, but a parent who also cares enough to step back and say, "Hey, Joe, this is this is this is you. I'm I'm here to support you. You need me to send you a camp? Good. You need me to take your practice? Good. But I want you to do this for you, right? And, I may, agree. and maybe every once in a while they hold them to some standards and say, "I'm pissed at you because you didn't give me your best effort on that one." Every once in a while, but for a parent that is constantly interfering with coaching or constantly sticking his neck in there. Um, that that's a big warning sign to me, and, and I know for college coaches, I know Coach Smith would always 
uh, you know, be like, ugh, this parent called me again today. You know, like, because he had to deal with these parents asking questions. When it's like, Absolutely. Just, you're a freaking Division One college coach. Just trust me and let me do my job and, and stay out of my hair. You know, I got your kid's best interest in mind because, you know, if your kid does what I want him to do, it's going to make my team better, right? So if it's synergistic. It's not like one wins, one loses, right? Yeah, we've said it on our show before, but you – this goes for even college coaches. You cannot manufacture greatness. You can't. It, it it comes from within, and when you're recruiting at a big-time program, you are looking for greatness. You're not looking for mediocrity. You're not looking for someone to start for your team. You're not looking for a guy to go 20 and 15. You're looking for an All-American or better. Would you Would you agree, Ben? Yeah, I mean, that that's what you're recruiting for, right? And then if you yeah, get a kid, I mean, yeah, you know, get a kid like, who falls yeah. a little short, well, now you got a kid who's a top 15 kid and, and – but also those guys who have that mentality that that you're talking about right now, that's you know right when you're talking about your if you're a college coach you gotta manage say thirty to forty athletes right, and you're gonna have a few problem kids that you gotta really focus on you gotta make sure they go to class you gotta make sure these you can't have thirty of those or your life's gonna be freaking miserable, right? right. You gotta have a, it's, it's, a lot of self starters. I think uh, through having this conversation right now it reminds me of a scenario that I often encounter when I was recruiting and still occurs. And, and sometimes, you know, in the home, the parents or the kids or both of them develop this expectation that does not match what a collegiate program wants out of them. For example, my goal has always been to get a scholarship. It's like, well, if I give you a scholarship and that's been your goal all along, that's great for you, but you've done nothing for me. And yeah. You know, or my goal is to start in the Big Ten. Well, if I'm a recruiter from Purdue, okay, and I sign you on to my program and you become a starter for me, you still haven't done anything. You've done yeah, nothing yeah. because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer scholarships. I'm gonna fill my lineup, whether you're involved in my program or not. So you still haven't done anything. You still haven't upheld your end of the bargain. So you've got what I'm getting at is, as crazy as it sounds. These kids have got to realize that they've got to have the expectations to win at a high level have got to be there. And if they're not there, it'll get identified in the recruiting process. You know, it'd be like me or you saying to Bruce Burnett or Bill Zadick, I just, I just really want to be on that Olympic team. I mean, that's all I want. All I want is to, to walk in those opening ceremonies. I mean, what does that do for Bill Zadick? Nothing. Does, does Bill get paid to, to produce an Olympic team? I mean, the Olympic team is going to happen whether you, whether whether you make it or not. So these kids got to have these these higher expectations of themselves, and sometimes it stops and ends with the scholarship offer. And you know, you're offering me eighty percent, but the school down the street's offering me a hundred percent. You know, what do you you know what's the deal here? You know, my goal has always been to get a full ride. You know what I mean? And so yeah. there's just so many factors that contribute to it. And um, I'm going to hit two points that you talked about there. Man, Tommy, we might roll for a long time on this one. This is good, good stuff. Number one, number one, and we I had this listed in to talk about in our first topic, but I thought we kind of covered what we needed to. What's a realistic amount of scholarship money to expect? Because right, a lot of parents out there don't know what to expect. And I, I try to let kids know up front. Um, first of all, first and foremost, in wrestling, full scholarships are very rare to come by. Very rare. I mean, the best, the best. You're the best of the best if you're getting a full ride, right? Um, Completely agree. So number two, when we're talking about it, if if you're a top top ten nationally ranked kid at your weight, 
Um, if you're in the top couple, maybe you'll be getting those closer to fulls. But, uh, you know, if you're down towards that 7, 8, 9, 10, you might be closer to half a scholarship. But that's not bad, right? That that's In wrestling, that's pretty good. That's not, that's, that's not bad, and it's also situational based on the program team. You yeah. know, it, it would be like it'd be like if I was tasked with building a home myself, and I've got to hire an electrician, a plumber, a guy to do the flooring, a guy to do the basement, a guy to do the insulation, and some electricians like, hey, you know, you need to pay me, uh, you got, you need to pay me what you're paying that plumber. It's like, well, the the, the I, I need a plumber. You're an electrician. I need a plumber. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes it's like it's like, you know. I, I deserve a full ride to it. So yeah, but you're a 141 pounder and I really need 174. Yeah. So yes, you're, you're better than the guy that's on a full ride at 174 or you're, you're worth a full ride. But guess what? I have another electrician on my staff that's pretty damn good anyway. And even though I want you, I don't need you. So here's 50%. And people got to understand that that's just how, how the cookie crumbles. And so, and sometimes. Uh, for a kid to take less money in a place he's going to be happy and successful is a lot better than just taking the, oh, I got a full ride, right? Or, oh, they're offering me 65% and this other program is only offering me 40, right? But listen, if the place that's offering you 40 is going to make you happy and going to make you successful versus the place that's giving you 65, then you better freaking take the place that's giving you 40 come hell or high water. Yeah, and... I mean, I, I can say unequivocally that I would have made that mistake um, with my father and mother involved in the recruiting process. If it became down to 80% off full ride, I was so dead set on a full ride. Really? Kid you were? Up. I I was. I was, and I don't know why. It just it became um, something that, that became very, very important to me, and wow. I felt entitled to it. Really? And, yeah, I did, and I, 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 I don't. I don't listen, Ben. I don't defend <laughs> it one bit. I don't. I don't say that I'm right. I'm just saying that I would yeah, have made that yeah, mistake. Yeah, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that it didn't matter with the three or four schools that I that I wanted sure. to go to. I didn't have to play that game, but I probably would have played that game. I'm gonna be and might have went. Go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. Well, I'm just it's just it's how I was, and, and then going through the recruiting process, and then being a college athlete, then being a college coach and recruiter. I will never put my kid in that position. I will never allow them to think that way. But you know, my mom and dad were phenomenal parents, but they weren't going to stand in the way of what was important to me, and they had, didn't have experience in yeah. that whole game. And so, but I, I urge people that call me for advice now, like, hey, you know, money's important, but it's 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 not the end-all, be-all, and if you let it be, you might make the wrong choice. 100%. You know, I'll tell you from – I actually, my parents did, did good in this aspect, and it didn't end up mattering. But, you know, they said, listen, pick the one you want, and, you know, if, if the money doesn't come through, we can support you with that, right? So they kind right. of said, and, you know, the one, I, I was looking strongly at Wisconsin, even though they may not have been looking strongly at me, um, and they were the only one who didn't offer a full ride, Right. Uh, and I'm sorry, not a full, but it, it was very close from everywhere else. It was very close to full, but maybe not a full scholarship um, from all my other options. And Wisconsin was still like, you know, I, I, I you love home, right? You love where you grow up for the most part. Yeah, so, I went home um, and you got to stay at home. But I kind of wanted to stay at home. But the number and I'm not going to give it was so offensively low that I just said they don't want me here. 
They don't want. Period. They don't want me here, and I don't like being places I don't. I don't want to be. Want, I'm not wanted, right? So I said, well, I guess I got to go somewhere else. But I'll tell you what: if that number was somewhat respectable, even though it wouldn't have been a full ride, um, and I would have felt like, hey, these guys really want me here, my parents would have supported me, and they would have paid the rest of the bill. I mean, no, there's no right. doubt in my mind. So, um, yeah, I think I think kids got to be really realistic about what they're worth, and then they, you know, like you said, they got to be. Um, very discerning about which place is going to make me the most happy and, and um, which place is going to make me the most successful, right? Because you've got a lot of life to live after your college you know, college experience. Completely and a agree. great coach versus a bad coach or a great program versus a, a bad program is going to leave you in a distinctly different place after five years there. A bad program Completely with a bad agree. coach is going to leave you bitter and cynical about the experience. And I mean, I think both of us can say the opposite. I think both of us had great college experiences and I have such amazing, fond memories. Every once in a while, Tommy, I had this sad feeling in my stomach because I realized I can never go back to college again. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and and uh, my, my recruiting process then was similar to your similar situation is that I wanted to go to Ohio State. It wasn't an end-all, be-all, but Ohio State at the time was not very good, so it wasn't an easy choice. But um, I loved the coaches, and I loved the guys on the team, and it was eight miles from my house. And ironically, Ohio State is the only school that in the beginning didn't offer me a full ride. They offered me a, a good competitive offer, but they left my house, and I just told my dad that I want to have a full ride if I'm going to go to Ohio State. So I kind of told them that, and the reason was good, right? They, wanted to, they, they, they had a shot at assembling the number one recruiting class in the country, yeah. and they were trying to do their best, and... And I and I kind of told them that wouldn't work, and thankfully I didn't even know this, but thankfully I had that kind of leverage that kept me from making a bad choice. But at the yeah. end of the day, I played I played chicken with the Ohio State coaching staff and won, and thankfully I did. Otherwise, I would have went to another place and not had nearly the experience that I had. So. Sure. It ended up working out, even though I had a bad ideology about the recruiting process. And, if that makes sense, and kind of to almost shoot ourselves, shoot me and you both in the foot. Um, and you know, I, I understood this later. But I did say my my number for for Wisconsin was offensively low. I mean, really, really low. Right. Um, but uh, an in state in state versus out of state scholarship is a big difference. I remember when I, when I went to the University of Missouri my freshman year because when you sign the paper, you can see I think the out of state total cost. And it's went up significantly since then. Was twenty one thousand, and the in state total cost was ten thousand. Right. So right. that that essentially means a you know a fifty percent scholarship in in state is worth seventy five percent or so out of state. Right. So I know coaches feel like they can they can use a little less scholarship yeah. in state because the the tuition and the, everything else is a little cheaper for the athletes. Yeah, and and there you're, you're 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 listen if if you're telling me that. A college coach is not assessing the, the family income um, on the in-home visit, what the what the mother and father do for a living against the other kids they're recruiting whose mother and father work the third shift at the Ford plant. You know, yep. I mean, they are they are assessing all of those scenarios. It's where it's like, well, I'm not going to say it, but maybe this guy's got a little bit more to give at home if I can get the right place for him. Where this kid. You know, he can't do it. He won't do it, you know, because, you know, so there's all those factors. It's really, it's a really layered process and you've got to keep a level head as the recruit and, and do what's best for you. The only thing I will say, Ben, about a scholarship offer, and sure. I'll say this to my kids if they're ever in that position, is that 
you pick wherever you want to go. Don't worry about the offer, but make sure the offer is enough to where that coach feels invested in you, where they've got some skin in the game on you, so that when you have a bad, when you have a bad pitch for three months or a bad, you know, you can't, you know, strike the ball correctly in soccer or you're not, you know, hitting well in the outfield or you're not wrestling well, that that coach feels a little bit accountable because he put 40% into you. And that that 40% has to yield a return. So the only thing I'll say about the money is that if you are a blue chip, if you are in fact a recruit that is worth a lot of money, you don't need to play the dollars and cents game, but they should make an investment in you. It should not be books. You know what I mean? That's the only thing that I will say that you should steer clear of. Yeah. Um, You know, one other thing that while we're talking about what coaches are looking for, uh, speaking again from my experience, one thing that I really liked, um, and you know, if a kid came in on his recruiting trip, and he knew a little bit about the program, he had questions, and you know, he was asking and he was interacting with us versus a guy who was just trying to say all the right things, right? I liked, I kind of liked it when a recruit was a little bit critical and said maybe, you know, well, why is this guy going at this weight? Or, you know, who wins between him and him in the room? And I like when right. the kids kind of invested in the program like that. And the key thing you said, Ben, <laughs> is when the recruit is doing that and not the dad. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes, sure. sometimes the oh, sometimes God, the yeah. dad asks all those questions. Yeah. But, you know, it's great. You're, it's great you're asking these questions, and I'm happy to answer them for you. But I have to mold and develop your kid. So yep. you know, you can be his mouthpiece all you want, but your concerns I don't necessarily think are his concerns all the time. He's got to be able to speak for himself. He's going to become a young man here shortly, and when he wins the NCAA title. He will be a man if he if he pulls it off. You're a man at the time you win that NCAA title. Yeah. So you're looking for men. So start start conducting yourself like one. You know, I would say that your college choice is arguably the second most important decision in your life. Um, I don't know how you feel about what's that. What's your first? Ben, but your, your I think pick of spouse. What's that? What's your What's your first most important? Your pick of spouse. I think the first. I think the first is the spouse. Okay. Um, and then I would, I would, you could argue. Now, it, it could also be the fourth. Well, no, you know what, both. though, Tommy, but like if I don't pay to go to Missouri, I don't get my wife. So, uh, you, know, you could argue that point very easily that your, your college likely leads to your spouse, right? I did, did that happen right. to you? It, I can't remember. No, I met my wife, um, at the very end of high school. So okay. I would have known okay. her whether I went to Ohio State or not. But, anyways. That's beside the point. I think what we're both agreeing on is that it is clearly a very important decision in your life. And if you're going to make it, then you need to get in the game and not let mommy and daddy do the talking for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and the other thing there that I know I try to do this with all, with all of our AWA wrestlers who are considering college, I try to give them a realistic expectation of what their college wrestling experience is going to be like. And I, I'll tell them up front that my college wrestling experience was the greatest five years of my life, you know, and I don't know if I'll be able to match it. I loved it. I loved every aspect of it. Um, but it's hard, right? It's a grind. I, I remember that, that first that first fall there when we were doing the preseason workouts, we're running stadium and 10 milers. I was like, F this stuff. I didn't come here to be a damn runner and a freaking stair climber. I came here to wrestle. Like, this is BS. And kind of right. like, and that was a, you know, a few weeks there where I was like, this sucks. Um, so there are there are going to be points that are going to be tough. There's going to be points that are disappointing. So as a college coach, same thing. You can't make it seem like 
freaking roses and candy, right? You gotta you gotta give a kid a realistic expectation, and then you kind of kind of judge what his reaction is to that. Is he excited about that? Like Does he freaking it's, it's love like it? You call him out. Yeah, like you're calling them out. You're you kind of you're kind of trying to scare them a little bit. Well, I like you know, and I also like the, you know, I like the kid. If, if and if they act too excited, then you know they're faking it and they're lying to you and they're full of crap. You know, I like the kid that kind of gives no reaction. Like, meh, doesn't really matter. I'm you know, I'm here to freaking win. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. It's, it's whatever. So I, I I love that too when they when they give you kind of almost no reaction on it. Well, you look to the point of you know finding kids that really know themselves. Those questions where it's like, you know, I, I love asking a kid, do you work out twice a day? And, you know, 90% of the time they say yes. It's like, really? <laughs> you work out twice a day? You're on your freaking 16 years old. You don't work out twice a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and it's like, but then I love the kids that are like, no, I don't. But I heard that's what you do most of the time in college. And if that's what it takes, I'm ready to do it. And it's yeah. like, there's, there's a normal human answer. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh-huh. That, uh, that's so funny. That is so funny. Okay, it is uh, funny. I mean, um, you got else you're looking for? Now? You know, I think we covered it. Um, actually, God, I think I think that I think this point. I do want to say something though, Ben. I think that you say and it. I were somewhat elusive. We didn't say here's the top five things you're looking for well, in that, a blue that, chip recruit because there isn't that. Doesn't exist because because there isn't. It's it's extremely extremely situational dependent upon the kid, you know, there's different, var- like if the kid has talent that's insane, that is insane, and he also has, you know, cojones the size of Texas when he gets tired, um, you know, maybe sometimes if his work ethic is, you know, yeah. isn't the best, he still, I, he still might win. Listen, still I have might this, win uh, you know, I, I love sports psychology, and I had this six characteristics uh, which I don't, I, I, you call me right now and ask me if I can remember off the top of my head. Six mental characteristics that elite level wrestlers have. And so what I did is I created these six, six categories, right, Tommy? And. No, Ben, I think you sent me this questionnaire. No, 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 no that was different. That me. was different. That was, I, I made this, I made this, these categories after I seen that questionnaire because I wrote that book, but then the book sucked, so I never published it. Um, cause I'm not gonna, me and the other lady, we didn't write it good enough. But, so what I did is I created these categories that I thought were important, and I'll try to give you a few of them, right? But then I took people I had good relationships with, right? So all my college teammates and some people from other programs, and I said, how many of these characteristics do they embody, right? And it was right. almost across the board. If they were five or six, they were competing for an NCAA title. If they were three or four, they were a good college wrestler, um, maybe an All-American, you know, Big 12 champion of that. If they were one or two, they were just hanging out on the team. They probably weren't starting, maybe spot starting. If they were zero or one, they were, you know, quitting or done, right? And so, like, one of them would be, and this maybe isn't even a mental, but it's kind of something, you have, a, a feel for the sport, right? You know some of those guys, they just get in scrambles and they just end up on top? There's a certain right. feel for the sport. Um, a Jay, Jay Jaggers, Ben Jay Jaggers. Astrin, you know. Yeah, a winner, yeah. right? There's some guys that you know. Um, Nick, Nick Marable is this guy, I'll give you. Where... Somehow, they win the match three or two every time, and there's some guys who you don't know how, and they just they just lose. You know, like Mike Chandler was this guy for a while, and he fixed it somehow. He fixed it, which is very tough to do. But he would be winning and winning and winning. I'll tell you, one match he lost that killed us in the national duels. He was whooping CP Schlater's ass, 
And he gave up, I believe it was three takedowns in the third period to lose the match. It was like, oh my God, how did that happen? Because it wasn't a cardio issue, right? It was a mental thing. And he overcame right. that to be successful. Um, so being a winner, um, ending up on top, work ethic uh, is obviously one, right? Um, Talent. Meanness was one, right? There's some guys, uh, and Max, my brother will disagree with me, but... One of the differences between Max and I is if I got something, then you're not going over. I'm just going to rip your arm off. I'm going to put you to sleep, and you're going to have to deal with the consequences, and that's fine. Where I don't feel like, um, besides his national title run in 2010, I don't think he would have done that, right? Um, so well, I, these... I don't know. I can't. I don't know Max nearly as well as I know you. But from what I do know about Max and what I do know about you, I'm with you, Ben. Cool. I agree. Yeah. So so I had this cat- six categories that I put guys in, but then. <laughs> I was thinking, what's going to be really tough about this is actually putting these high school kids into these categories because everyone's going to lie to us. The kid's going to lie to us. The parents are going to lie to us. The coaches are going to lie to us, right? So how do I really put these guys into these categories with these mental characteristics that I need? You know what I'm saying? Right. Because everyone's lying. Oh, another one was... Um, um, and it, this, well, uh, you know, you know bounce back. What's, it, ben, what's it called when you bounce back from like uh, resilience? Oh, resilience. Thank you. I was resilience, right? Because because you're going to have some tough times. Resilience is another one where some guys once they start going downhill, it's like a freaking snowball starts rolling, right? And some guys, they as soon as they go downhill, they bounce right back up. They say no problem. Let's go again. They dust themselves off, right? So. Uh, I think I got five categories there. I'm, I'm missing one. I don't know which one I'm missing. There's good. They're they're really good. So you're talking about mental categories, not not the mental. talent category. Because I think when you get to the greatness level, right? When we're talking about NCAA Division One college wrestling, that's the highest level of folk style wrestling in America. And when you get to that area, it's gonna be about mental stuff, right? Because the physicals, uh, maybe they not be, they may not be exactly equal, but the technicals, if you're at a good program, are going to get equal, right? You're going to have very similar skill sets. The physicals are going to get close to equal. So what's going to separate us, right? It's, it, it's a lot of mental characteristics are going to separate us. Because if, you if you're not resilient, if you're not tough and mean, if you don't have a good work ethic, Tommy, and you make it to college wrestling, if I tell you, you got to recruit, he doesn't work hard, he's not tough or mean, and he's not very resilient, you're going to say, damn, well, he's going to be right, sitting on the bench or quitting, right? Right. So, I mean, I think, you know, when you get to that level, you need those. And even if I said, I got a wrestler for you, Tommy, um, he's not very mean, and sometimes he blows matches. Are you confident that guy's going to All-American? No. No. So, right? So, so these things, are, they do become very important because skill levels and physical levels do get I don't want to say equal, but we're we're close to equal, right? Right. I think I think you know, adding in some non-mental characteristics. If I were to say, like in the most concise, fewest words possible, what do you know that wins at the college level? Because there's a lot of ways to win, but one way I do know that wins, you know, pretty much 99 times out of 100 is if you have above average talent. And it's Define talent because I don't think it exists. Oh boy, this is uh, you're you're like Martin. I had this argument with Martin. Uh, Martin and I are on the same page on this, buddy. Talent, yeah, whatever. Talent's bullshit. You, okay, 
If you all right, so this is that's a let's have an episode on that and have Martin on it because I would love to have this philosophical debate. And let me tell you, it's you, you know it's it is a philosophical debate. But anyway, I've had this debate a lot of talent, times, Tommy. So you better be ready to lose. Listen, if you have talent <laughs> as defined, talent doesn't society, exist. If you have <laughs> talent and it's the most important thing in your life, if so wrestling is the most important thing in your life. That's what you're saying, talent and passion. No, no, no. Passion is different than the most important thing in your life. Really? Well, that, that's how different. would you say so? Oh, yeah. I would say those would be the same thing. No, because because Why? if it's the most important thing in your life, you'll do things. It's different. It's To me, it's having, if, if it's the most important thing in your life okay. and you have talent, you will be successful. Well, I would now, agree with the most important thing in your life, but, I mean, so, so, so Tommy, from your perspective... Since you're the one I'm not saying, saying that's the only thing. <laughs> no, 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 wait, that's... wait, wait. Let me, from your perspective, what is talent in the context of Division One college wrestling? What is talent? Physical gifts. Name them. Which ones? Speed. I ran a five three forty at my fastest. I didn't say that you have to be talented to win, Ben. <laughs> I said if you are talented and it's the most important thing in your life, you will okay. win. Okay. I did not. Did, I did not once say that you have to be talented, and I would agree that you don't look like the fastest guy in the world. I'm not. I'm very slow. <laughs> I said so. Uh, like uh, conditioning, right? Is that a talent? No, that's not. But uh, but why not? Uh, I have great. But, 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 Listen, but, but, Tommy. But, 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 I can here's, sit here's on the, the couch. Here's the thing. What having 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 an having a um, having a given or gifted aerobic capacity that is better than others is true. Okay, I mean, you so look yeah. at uh, Lance yeah. Armstrong. We're getting really dead down in the weeds here, but you look at Lance Armstrong. Well, this is important uh, stuff, though. This is like, this is, a, this is important stuff to the recruiting process. B, this is like my favorite topic to talk about, so please continue. Well, okay, so so talent is just things that you're gifted to be better in, at than others. Gifts, sure. So, so, so to your point, being in shape is not – talent okay well but, okay me having but, but, aerobic being in shape being in shape is not talent but having a high vo2 max or okay, having a yeah. unique given aerobic capacity is talent sure. that is a gift sure okay that. but it doesn't make you in shape you know what if lance armstrong sat suspended That's... in air for four years and ate four bonbons years and, and drank Diet Coke, he wouldn't be in shape. But, Tommy, but I'll tell you talent- what, like, I'll give you a great example. Tyrone Woodley, a good friend of mine, right? Physical beast. If he sat on the couch for a month and tried to wrestle, he'd be tired in, in two minutes, right? I, I can right. tell you, I came off, I came off, uh, I came, I went on vacation, uh, two vacations in a row, no working out at all, nothing. It was right after one of my fights. I went in the Missouri room and I wrestled 40 minutes straight with Jaden Cox. And that's just, and I'm not, I'm not, it wasn't because I'm tough. Listen, I could, I could sit on the couch for four weeks and I could get up and wrestle for an hour with the best guys in the country because that's, that's something that innately I have more of than other people, right? Just that, uh, whatever, cardio system, whatever you want to do. I would, I, 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 I would, ag- I would agree. But, and but mus- being... muscular endurance also. Besides the V2. Yeah, the, the talent is, exists. Talent exists. Innate physical gifts exist, but talent doesn't. What is what is talent to you? 
especially in wrestling, because wrestling you can find so many different ways to be successful. So an innate physical gift is really listen, nothing. Ju- listen, listen. Here's the thing, though. We're having two separate conversations because okay. just be just because just because you don't have to be talented to win in wrestling does not mean that talent doesn't exist. No, it does. Talent can <laughs> talent can still exist, and you can still be not talented as it is defined in today's culture, and win in wrestling. I agree with that 100%. And I do. That is what I love about wrestling. I'm just saying that if you're talented and you have a fighter's spirit and you don't quit, and I'm not talking about work ethic. I'm talking about a fighter's spirit. I got you, of course. If you have that, you're going to win. You're going to win. Yeah. Uh, So I I put very little... I put very little emphasis into the physical gifts part, and so just just we're gonna we're gonna cut this discussion for now. We'll bring it back. I love this discussion. We can bring it back. We should have an episode on. I want to have Martin on. I'll just tell you, Jesse, my business partner Jesse Lang stayed the night at Martin's, and I called Jesse at like ten thirty, like six or seven weeks ago, and he was in a a a slap happy mood. He goes, "Tommy, I'm sitting here on Martin's couch, and he's trying to tell me that talent doesn't exist," and then he put me on speaker, and I had this conversation with Martin and Jesse and his wife and Martin's wife for 25 minutes, and and I and I know the road you're going to go down, and I'm ready for it. So okay. We should have an episode about. It. So here, just get, let me give you my my 30 seconds of woman spiel. And now, obviously, in in certain avenues in America, say football, innate physical gifts, say being six six three thirty, will put you in a position to be successful, right? And if you don't have those, you can't. But in a sport such as wrestling or in, say, business or in a lot of other things, yes, are there innate advantages that people have? 100%. But, like, like Anthony Rowe was with one leg. People say that that was an innate advantage after after he was successful with it, right? But because there's so many different things you can use to be successful in wrestling, you could argue that any innate advantage, right? I have an innate cardio advantage, but an innate disadvantage in strength and, and speed, right? And so maybe someone else has an innate advantage in intelligence and understanding positions faster than people. So now, you know, and, and there's so many, there's, there's the, the, the obvious innate advantages that people see is speed and strength. But there's so many other physical categories that, that happened to you from birth or possibly in early childhood that you have going to that sport. So you can't really say talent because talent, when people say talent generally in America, it's so stupid because all they mean is he's strong and he's fast. And strong and fast doesn't freaking win you wrestling matches. Well, I would say that it can win you wrestling matches for sure. <laughs> but, Bull crap. But, but I agree. I agree. Well, you're telling me that people don't win wrestling matches sometimes just because they were faster than the other guy? Not on a super high level. Listen, this is, this is so philosophical. I, okay. I enjoy the conversation too. I agree with what you said. I think that there's so many different ways to win a wrestling match. There's so many different ways that every human on earth has one of those or two of those or three of those unique ways that will allow you to win a wrestling match. And you need to find it, identify yes. it in yourself, and use your identify it in yourself, and leverage it so that you can win. And I agree with that. And you kind of said that earlier that with knowing, mean, knowing yourself. That doesn't mean it's not talent, though. That doesn't mean it's not a gift. But then everyone has gifts and everyone has talents, so what's the freaking point? Right. All right, we should have a separate episode <laughs> right. on this because this could go on for an hour. Let's let's cut it right now, Tommy. Uh, I, man, that was probably one of my most favorite episodes of all time. 
So listen, we still got a lot of stuff to talk about. Let, here's what we're going to talk about next week. I'm just going to let our vi- viewers know, listeners know. We're going to talk about some kids who Tommy and I um, recruited or watched in high school and we thought they'd be good and they turned out the absolute way. We thought they wouldn't be that good and they turned out to be great. We're going to talk about some of those kids. We're going to talk about the next generation, who we think could be booms or busts. Probably just booms because we don't want to throw high school kids under the bus. Um, how, the recruiting, how the recruiting game has changed since our time. We're going to kind of detail that. And then we're going to tell, this is this is the part I was looking forward to, Tommy. We didn't even get to this part. That means it was a good episode. We're going to tell stories of the good, the bad, and ugly from the recruiting world. So, um, you know, I'm going to tell some That'll stories from my recruiting trips. I'm going to tell some stories, funny stories of other people who came on recruiting trips to Missouri who acted like idiots. Um, nothing too bad. And, uh, and then maybe just some other... Um, you know, stuff that we heard improprieties in the recruiting world from other places and, and that kind of thing, things that we think is appropriate, inappropriate. Um, so I think it should be a fun episode, but man, this recruiting thing really turned into a good episode. Obviously, well, you know, I, and I think it's okay to do it again next week, Ben, because it's fitting. We're in, we're in a somewhat of a downtime of year. We've got Fargo at the end of July and we've got the Olympics in August, but right now, I mean, July 1st is, uh, tomorrow. You're right. You're so, right. So, you know, the, the recruiting um, calendar, as we know it, and we know, and we can talk about how that the calendar has changed and it really isn't a calendar anymore. But anyways, in the most traditional sense, tomorrow is a very big day for the guys who will sign in November. And, yeah. um, and so it's okay that we did recruiting today and we're going to do it next week. We might, heck, I might even, we could do probably three episodes of this. Oh, yeah, I, I just added in one category for next week because I was talking to some college coaches. Stupid recruiting rules. And I'll give you a little preview, Tommy. One coach coach I know was complaining to me because he said, recruiting these kids is kind of like a high school romance because for the first nine months, I believe it, maybe, yeah, I think it's nine months, they can call and text kids, but they can't talk to them in person. So they can call and text them, but if they see them at a tournament, they can't say, hi, how's it going, and have a conversation. Yeah. That's kind no, of that, freaking that, hilarious. That, that's a piece. That's he's. That's a piece of the piece of recruiting that I absolutely hated. Was when um, some kid who, because wrestling is a small community, you've known the kid or known the family for years, but yeah. now he's an eligible recruit. You're in a tournament recruiting. His mother, who you know on a personal level, comes up to you and says, "Hey, how you been?" And you're supposed to. They term it casual greeting. So you're allowed to nod your head, say say hello, maybe shake a hand, and that's it. <laughs> and they sit next to you in the stand, technically speaking. Awkward. If, if I talk to them, <laughs> if I talk to them for longer than 30 seconds, I am in, in, I am violating NCAA rules and it's a violation and I either need to turn myself in or I could get turned in and it's like, they are stupid rules. I know what so they're intended stupid. for. I really do. But man, there are some crazy rules out there. So stupid. All right. So let's hit, let's hit that next week also. Guys, this is episode 32. Thank you as always for listening. <laughs> thank you to Full Wrestling for putting our show out there. And thank you to Defense Soap for sponsoring us as always. We'll be back next week with uh, episode number two of our recruiting portion. And who knows, Tommy, it may go five or six. We don't even know at this point. That's right, man. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm excited. All right, man. Have a great vacation. Yeah, we'll see you. See you. You are listening to the T-Row and Funky Show brought to you by Defense Soap. Defend what you have built.